Hey, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 10 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and mission. And I am Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Dr. Dodds. Dr. Dodds leads HeartStream Resources, and um, we were discussing what we could do on the podcast as far as when it came for emotions and the pandemic, and um, we found her resources. Actually, Dr. Dodds and I had met in the past in Madagascar when she had come to visit some good friends of ours and um, really got to, to meet her and get to hear her heart that she has for missionaries. If you know anything about the ministry that she provides, is she provides holistic care for missionaries um, and so valuable to sit down and learn from her and our conversation. And in the end of the show notes, there'll be some links to some resources. Uh, I downloaded the um, Pandemic Emotions uh, uh, PDF, which I really found valuable. Those practical steps that we could take when it came to the depression that um, sometimes can come in. And she said, you know, the things that we have in the book, she talks about, you know, the, the response to what we have went through, it, it, it can, discouragement would be a natural response to that. I love how in the resources she gives scriptural references, she provides some great insights, steps that we can each take with with depression, with anxiety um, that we've run up against um, throughout this time of of the pandemic. And just really appreciate her focus and love and heart for missionaries um, to equip missionaries to be healthy, resilient, and whole. Do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is agwmafrica.org for an increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa, 50 countries, 200. 57 training centers, 404 missionaries, and 79,106 indigenous churches. Discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org. would like to ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel of Foth, and that's when I sit down with Dick Foth and um, present listener questions, and uh, that's a valuable time. Really enjoy learning from Dick, and do want to also encourage you to continue to subscribe to the podcast. I know the podcast that I'm subscribed to or the ones that I listen to, they come to my uh, phone um, every normally every Monday or Tuesday, and then uh, I know my play playlist that's coming out for the week. And so I hope this podcast is an encouragement for you, as Doctor Dodds gives us some tools on how we can process and um, grow in our emotions during this time of the pandemic. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with someone I met a few years ago in Madagascar, Dr. Dodds. And I'm so excited to learn from her. And um, Dr. Dodds, would you go just ahead and take a few minutes just to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Thank you, Aaron. I am really delighted to be joining you today and all of the guests who will be listening. Uh, My husband, Larry, uh, a physician, and I were missionaries with Wycliffe for 23 years. Uh, We went to Africa many, many times to teach for Azusa Pacific University. So some of you might have been our students. Now, wonderful graduate program in leadership. Uh, We uh, started out in missions actually as children. The Lord called both of us when we were still children. So uh, I can say I have now been involved in the world of missions for more than five decades. I know it sounds like a long time. And God's record of faithfulness to us has been really amazing. We know the work of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. Without that, you can't do missions. We get a lot of the fallout, actually, of missionaries who go out not really knowing Jesus or even Hmm. having heard about the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And so we might mention that later. 
of how people need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. Certainly, he's our energy, he's our strength, he's our wisdom. Yeah. Um, God called us, it's now almost 30 years ago, hmm. to create a place for missionaries to come when they are just wiped out, exhausted. Hmm. Uh, every time we went to Africa and other countries around the world, we would end up with the same conversation. And it was something like this. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was somebody who understood us? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was somewhere we could go where they would really know what it was like to be a missionary? And then we heard many, many stories. I went to this doctor and this psychiatrist, and I went to that pastor, and I went to that nutritionist. And people go into all kinds of caregivers who never talk to each other, and nobody really helping. And um, so the Lord laid on our hearts to start a place, actually a center, where in one spot you could have spiritual care, even deliverance if that's what you needed, uh, where you could see the physician who could be familiar with diseases from abroad, where you could have counseling, uh, where you could talk with other missionaries who go through the same experiences. So uh, the Lord has just put on our hearts to pull all of this together into one place, and that resulted in HeartStream resources. So we're located here in Pennsylvania, though we are from California. And uh, it's been truly marvelous to see how the Lord brings people here from literally everywhere in the world, not just Americans, but some from other nations as well. And in a residential retreat type environment, people receive healing from the Lord. And it's always very dramatic to see people wiped out, exhausted, just done in. And they sometimes say, I'm done. You know, I just can't go on. But to see the Lord revive them. Hmm. And it's through prayer, through spiritual ministry, through counseling, through nutrition, through the physical care that a physician brings, or perhaps a physical therapist. So we have just been thrilled, and we keep going in this work because of what God does. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard work, but yeah. worth it when we see what God does. For sure. So For I sure. appreciate the opportunity to tell, uh, to tell yours, your listeners, do you call them listeners or viewers nowadays? I don't well, even know. It's good. Either way. Either way. Yeah. So I'm really glad to be able to share about HeartStream and especially God's faithfulness to us. You know, 50 years in mission. Yeah. And God is so faithful. We've been through everything from rabid dog bites for our kids to airplane crashes. And I have to say, without a doubt, the Lord is always there. And he brings us through. And then people who support this ministry, I was just sending out our new books this week and realizing we have many donors, personal friends who stayed with yeah. us 50 years. Wow. That is just really remarkable. It is so uh, I have a long history of God being faithful. Amen. Amen. Well, Dr. Dodds, we're going to thank you for your introduction and sharing about what the God's faithfulness. And um, I think that is such an encouragement in this time of the pandemic where um, we've went through different challenges. It seems like, um, and sometimes our, our lives have been turned up down. And we're going to talk about some, some of those different aspects of that. Before we jump into the other areas, um, what are some things that you have seen um, in the area of grief and the profound grief that has went along with this pandemic, and um, and how how can we care for ourselves and recognize that grief that is, is that is going on in our hearts and minds? 
Well, thank you. That's a great question. I want to start with the realities that cause the grief. Uh, you know, we know in our own culture here in the United States, uh, I think we're all familiar with what's happening. But if you compound that to nations around the world, the realities missionaries have faced in the last year or 15 months uh, are way beyond what people in a homeland have. For instance, about 10,000 Korean missionaries suddenly went home. Now the churches are having trouble keeping up with how to care for them. The mm. sudden displacement of missionaries from many countries, it's just like literally sometimes within days, it's like either you're going to be here indefinitely in the lockdown or you better leave right now. So many that we've uh, cared for this year have suddenly had to leave either because some governments wanted foreigners out or because it's like, well, your choices leave now or you're going to be here indefinitely. So those sudden losses, it's not just losing home and pets and school, but losing your ministry and sudden separation from the people that you love. Um, when you've been devoting your life to a group of people in any particular culture or host country, and suddenly, you know, it's like, oh, now you're on the other side of the world and they are going through devastating experiences. So that's a reality that leads to a lot of grief. Now, whether you're with them or apart, you know they're going through hardship. You know, we, we have food banks here in the U.S. We have long lines of people getting food. Absolutely wonderful. In most countries, that doesn't exist. Hmm. One couple I know uh, work in a Pacific Island physician, midwife. They didn't get out. Yeah. And what they're doing now is spending their own donor support money, should be for them, to buy milk and rice for the village. Hmm. Um, other people in Peru, uh, hard hit with the pandemic, almost no resources. You know, we talk about personal protective gear. Well, in some of these places that we're in contact with, um, if you could get a clean hammock to swing hmm. in your tribal house, it's yeah. like, wow. But no oxygen, of course, yeah. but no hospital. So the, the realities of the pandemic outside of our more privileged countries are really grim. Hmm. So when people have stayed, the missionaries have stayed, they're face to face with that every day. Hmm. and almost no resources. If they've returned, they're grieving because the people they love are back there in yeah. whatever country. So this is truly a worldwide situation of grief. Yeah. So what, what the realities bring on, Aaron, is um, not only are universal emotions, but very specific emotions of loss, of ministry, a loss of people that you love and have been ministering to, uh, the absolute uncertainty of when can I go back? And almost nobody knows. Hmm. The uh, um, uncertainties of like, so, well, this is another issue. Suddenly you're displaced or you're home from somewhere. Right. Where do you live? Yeah. You know, your church didn't know you were coming. They didn't prepare. Your family didn't know. It's like, oh, We'll stay with grandma for a week and we'll find something. But loss of home, it's whether you're a single person or a family, that's a serious loss. Oh, one couple I know, they've been going from here to there, here to there, here to there for, for months now. And there's still uncertainty. Can they oh. ever go back? 
if they can't go back because countries change their policies, how do you still carry on with those people that you love? So, so those are the realities uh, that are beyond what most people here in our homeland are facing. Hmm. Now, you know, we know the problems here in the U.S. and and uh, Europe, but I have to say, it's far more difficult with the uncertainties of can I ever go back? If so, when? Um, meanwhile, where do we live? Yeah. <laughs> because. You know, it's like nobody planned for all the people who had to come home so suddenly. So just um, so planning um, for these realities um, takes great wisdom, and they all bring a certain amount of grief and loss, disappointment, frustration, uh, waiting, waiting, waiting for a new visa, waiting for this, waiting for that. Um, so I just want to encourage all of you who are participating in this um, to know that you're not alone. We all, wherever we are, we have a host of emotions swirling around inside of us all the time. And this pandemic has made it so much worse. Yeah. But at the same time, I think we can be very grateful. Um, in my, my father's family, my father was 10 years old during the pandemic um, in 1918. It's a family of seven children. Four died in hmm. one week in that pandemic. Uh, so we can be very grateful that our modern medicine has made it far um, better to be in a pandemic now than 100 years ago. Yeah. But I know in many places there just are no resources. So it compounds the grief. Yeah. That's a lot of answer to your one question. No, 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 no. It's, a, it's an excellent answer. And so if someone's listening in and they're, they're recognizing that, hey, that as you described the, all that grief process, how do they, what do they do with that grief and how, how can they walk in that? That's what I really appreciated your book because it, it shares about self-care. It shares about what we can do for ourselves and, and then steps that we can take. So if someone's listening in and they're realizing she just described my life and, that, and that's me, what she's just said, that's me. What do they do once they've come to that recognition? What's the next step that they need to take? Well, thank you. Uh, you asked good questions. Um, I would say, first of all, we have to be really honest and put a name on what we're feeling. Hmm. Uh, you know, as missionaries, we're taught and we believe we're going to be strong in all situations, that God is enough. You know, the things that are true, but when we're swamped with a whole flood of emotions all at once, it's hard to keep our bearings. So I think the main thing we need to do is just be in the Word of God constantly soak ourselves in God's promises so we we feel alone but we're not alone hmm. the other thing is, um, the first one I put in this little book uh, we put out on our website for anyone around the world is depression now sadness and depression uh, you know sometimes people think well I'm a Christian I'm a missionary I shouldn't feel those but I believe that Jesus himself modeled for us life is not easy there are times hmm. he cried she was surely disappointed more than once in how people behaved. So um, if we looked, for instance, at just depression, uh, there are many, many ways we can care for ourselves. I wrote a little article called 25 Plus Ways to Treat Your Own Depression. Hmm. And I wanted to say it's only in the last um, 100 years that 
depression got turned into a disease. Before that, it was simply one of those human dilemmas everybody hmm. would go through. Most of the time, it cures itself. But we can definitely cope with it better if we um, use certain practices, all simple, all free. Um, those are described in that article in the book. Uh, but when I was putting those together, I realized, you know, uh, God created us with many facets. So what I call dimensions of ourself, I have a spiritual self, I have a physical self. So uh, in looking at ways we cope with depression, uh, there are ways in each of those five dimensions, for instance, spiritual care is We've got to be talking to the Lord nonstop. In our physical care, we need to get out of the chair, get moving, walk, and then eat the right food instead of junk food. Okay, yeah. in our development, and this was a challenge for us here at Hartstrom, suddenly our programs are canceled. We're in lockdown. Well, how do we do international ministry from a little village of Pennsylvania? It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, now i got to think of, another way to exercise the gifts God's given me. Yeah. So I develop in certainly relationships. <laughs> I hear that so constantly. People, people who love each other can't stand each other after a while. It's like, ah, get me out of here. <laughs> because uh, being at home locked down with the people you love, it brings out all the irritations that people have with each other. Yeah. So we can cope with our relationships in certain ways. Certainly in depression, talking to someone is crucial. And then emotionally, um, there's so much that we can do. And I think foremost is to realize every emotion I have is because God designed me. Hmm. He designed me. So emotions are not bad or wrong. Um, as some of us have been taught, if we grew up in sort of more strict churches, it's like, well, you're not supposed to feel sad. I counseled a pastor's wife one time, and I noticed something so interesting in her face. I actually... I got a piece of paper and I, I, I looked at her face this way and her eyes were shredded, just tears, constant tears running down her face. Then I did this and she's smiling. Hmm. And I, I asked her to look in the mirror. I said, why are you still smiling when you're crying? Hmm. She said, well, my father's a pastor and I was told I always have to smile. Wow. Well, so we need uh, ways to sort out the emotions, and the emotions are perfectly natural. It's it's what we do with them that counts. Hmm. <laughs> so you you just shared about depression. What and you work specifically with overseas workers and missionaries. What other emotions have you seen during this time of the pandemic that um that have really um stuck out to you? Yeah, well, anxiety, anxiety is very high, right up there with depression. There's so many uncertainties. Well, what if this? What if that? I don't know what's going to happen. Hmm. Uh, can I see my parents? Can I see my kids who are away in college? Anxiety, depression, I'd say are the two big ones. But just the sadness of, oh, my goodness, look what's happening. And I'm not there to help. Yeah. Uh, one thing my husband and I learned, I'd say pretty early on, is that when we are present when disaster happens or when we're present with the person grieving and we're helping them, it really eases our feelings, our own emotions. But when it's happening at a distance and we can't be there to help, we feel it more intensely. So I think depression, excuse me, anxiety, 
um, sadness, just sadness. It's like, what do I do with all the sadness? And for me, the key is God certainly knows it. I mean, you want to know someone who got sad a lot? Just read the Old Testament. Constantly <laughs> disappointed in his people. Yeah. And yet giving and loving. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and for someone that's listening in today that um, they've, they've when you talked about um anxiety and that that distance of not knowing when they'll see their family again and their kids maybe in college and university and and that 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 described them and that that anxiety is something that's palpable in their life um what are what are one or two things that they could could take from this podcast today to say hey this is i can begin to take steps when i feel that anxiety come on because I, I think in my life i feel you know i can feel the tenseness in my chest um i can i get fidgety when i start moving around and I, a lot of the action those are the things i realize when i'm getting anxious what would be something that, that they could do um, two or three things they could do to begin to to um yeah just to recognize that and then to care for themselves Thank you. That's a good question and very practical. I think, um, as I told my daughter when she was in post-traumatic stress disorder from their life under terrorism, the first thing we have to do is just actually stop and say to ourselves, I feel, I feel anxious or maybe I'm even having a panic attack. So the first thing is just admit it. It's not a sin. It's not wrong. It's just a natural reaction. And we take some deep breaths to get ourselves a little bit more relaxed and we say god is here now i'm not in danger now if i am in danger i want to react differently but when i'm feeling endangered but there's no reality of danger i need to say i'm feeling this way because of something in the past but i'm safe now if you take the step to talk to someone even as a you know maybe you're at a ladies brunch or you're at the men's fellowship and just say to the person beside you, would you just pray with me for a minute? I'm feeling very anxious. Or if you're actually having a panic attack, um, ask the person to step outside and just talk for two minutes. Those practical steps really help us to deal with panic or anxiety. Also to realize it will pass. A panic attack usually lasts about five minutes. Now in the book, and in the article that you can also download free on our website, um, we have a little three by five card. And I wrote that one day for my daughter when she was uh, having panic attacks after being in very threatening situations. So you can carry a little three by five in your purse or your pocket. So when you forget in the moment, it gives you some practical steps. It will pass. But mostly, I'd say the most important thing is to say, God is with me. He hmm. is my protector. Yeah. I feel afraid, but I don't have to uh, live out that fear. Yeah. How did you think of that? That's so practical. And that's the love of a mother to provide that for her daughter. Was that something that God displaced in your heart to do for her? And um, yeah, is there a little story behind that? Yes, actually, there is. Um, she had gone through a lot of trauma in the country where they worked. Her husband was like the most visible one for the organization, you know, take a different route to work every day, those sorts of things. So she, um, after some particularly harrowing experiences, she started having um, panic attacks. And at first, of course, it's terrifying because you don't have a name for it. You don't know. Your heart's racing. You're, you're sweating all over. Uh, you don't know what it is. 
So we would talk on the phone. And, and then after a few times, she said, Mom, I, I keep forgetting what you tell me because as soon as I'm afraid, I forget everything. And so I said, okay, Catherine, we did this by phone at first. Um, I want you to write this down on a little card. And we did about 10 steps. So here's what you do. And next time you have, you start getting that feeling, pull out your card to remind you what to do. So again, it just started out as a mother-daughter. Here's how you can help yourself today. Uh, And it's so practical that she continued to do that. So when I wrote the article about dealing with panic attacks, I just came here, put a, a three by five card in there, yeah. just so somebody else can copy it down. Yeah. Uh, but the Lord is with us. So when I am afraid, I will trust. That's what the scripture says. When when I am afraid, I'll trust. The other thing that's um, so helpful, Aaron, many missionaries say to me, I think I'm going crazy. I must be going crazy. And that's an alarming feeling. Hmm. It really is alarming. So our favorite passage for that is God has not given us the spirit of fear, Hmm. but love and power and a sound mind. And so I pronounce them having a sound mind. They're not going crazy. That anxiety can make you feel like you're going crazy, but you're not. Yes. And so you practice that power and love and the sound mind. That's a good word. That's a good word. That's one really thing is I read through the, the book, I downloaded the PDF file because I can't get the hard copy here in Kenya yet and um, downloaded and read it through just the practicality of it. And it was scripturally based. That was all throughout. And then the other thing I really appreciated is you give practical steps that what individuals can do today, rather than being dependent um, on someone very far away. It was, it was basically, this is the God's word. These are some steps you take and then, and then you can walk and uh, in health. And it was, yeah, it was just super, super valuable for me. The other thing that really, I mean, that stuck out to me is you talked in there and shared in there about a panic attack, but then also spiritual attack. And we know in this time of the pandemic, or at least my uh, perception would be is the enemy is also using this time for when people are isolated. Um, maybe people that have went through difficult times, the enemy is, um, is attacking um, his workers, his missionaries and people around the world. Can you just share a little bit about that? Cause that was very valuable for me in the book. Well, thank you. Thank you, Aaron. I'm really glad you asked because uh, the more distress in the world and the more personal distress, we're more open to the attacks of the enemy. Um, And remember, Satan is God's enemy. Therefore, we become his enemy. So he really loves to destroy us. Um, Right now, I think that one of the major targets is within the home creating dissension between partners, um, husband and wife who, you know, love each other, but they treat each other badly. Children, everybody's so cooped up. So Satan truly attacks us in our natural human habitat. We don't have to be off in an exotic place, Hmm. but when we feel an attack of the enemy, again, we have to first say, oh, this has the enemy's earmarks. He's out to destroy us. And we, Learn to take hold of the power God has already given us. That's such good news. You know, um, you don't have to call your pastor to pray. You have the power to pray. And the Lord promises 
what we bind on earth, he will bind. Hmm. What we free, he will free, because we have his power. So to know that the Holy Spirit at work in us gives every one of us divine authority over the enemy. Hmm. I've experienced it so many times. In Peru, at one time we lived that when we lived there, I was extremely severely depressed. It had truly descended on me like blackness. And then it's like it occurred to me after several days, you know, this is not normal. This is not regular depression. It's really a satanic attack. Do you know that in the moment I realized that, it was gone. Hmm. It's like Satan took flight. So we have the power. We don't have to live in fear. Hmm. Uh, Depending on where we live, uh, the work of Satan is more obvious. But I'll tell you, it's real everywhere. And it's just Mm. as real a mansion as it is in a hut. Yeah. So the key thing, Aaron, uh, if we can help people see, God has given us power. The power belongs to us, not to the enemy. So we don't have to live in fear. Yeah. That's a good word. That's a good word. And um, like I said, honestly, as you read through books, most people, not most people, it's infrequent that people will address that because it's it, it's it's not seen. But it just, as I said, it resonated with me and my experiences living in Burkina and living in Madagascar and now living in Kenya. You know, we are, as you said, with the enemy, he comes to kill, steal and destroy. And, um, yeah. you know, and I used to think the enemy came to make my life difficult, maybe sit in traffic a little longer and not give me a good parking space. But he comes to kill, steal and destroy. And that's that's what he's after. And and, um, it, and during this time of the pandemic, you've just seen, um, yeah, that he he is he's on the he's on the prowl, and um, he's looking for for those that he can um, that he can attack and take out during this time. I wanted to also um, ask you a question about uh, in your book you talk about the agony and the urgency of waiting. That is probably that sums um, for me twenty 2020 twenty and into twenty twenty one pretty much sums it up. Um, you know the pandemic. Can you? Can you share why this is common, this this um, agony and urgency of waiting and why it is an agony uh, to wait? Yes. Okay. Again, the realities we're facing, I'll just borrow one from uh, the couple I mentioned in, in a Pacific island. Um, he's a physician. She's a, um, a midwife. They know how to deal with medical things, but they were caring for a child and they did what they could, but this child is dying. It's like, Lord, Lord, right now, please, Lord, we want you to heal this child. There's an agony in the waiting when we are powerless and we beg the Lord, please, please, God. And it's urgent right now, Lord, right now, she's going to die if you don't save her. Right now, this little boy is dying because somebody poisoned him. There's an agony that... um we know time is limited and especially in you know medical situations it's like well it's now or never it's now or never and um again i i started thinking about this a lot with my own daughter because she ended up with a lot of illness um and so as i was praying for her one day it occurred to me that jesus waited he waited at times we thought he should have acted a whole lot sooner so i just wrote a long poem you know, Jesus, uh, why did you wait 12 years when that woman was bleeding? You knew you would heal her someday. Why didn't you do it sooner? What about the man in the, by the pool? 
38 years, 38 years. Lord Jesus, why didn't you do it sooner? So to realize Jesus also waited, and I, I don't pretend to know why he waited, except he did, um, and that he knows our agony. I mean, mm. truly there's agony, agony in the waiting, because certain things are urgent. It's like now, it's now or never. This child is going to be alive or dead. So uh, that brought me to this idea that waiting is not easy. And as I said, when we have to wait apart from where the suffering is, it's much harder than we're if, they're, if we're right there and we're at least trying to do something for it. Mm. And, when, and so someone that's maybe far away, they're listening in today, and you, we've, you shared that it's when we're far away and if we were there, what can we do with those emotions that we want to be there, but we can't be there to help? Maybe we have a parent on in, in the United States that may be sick or a child there that's going through a difficult time. We want to be there and we can't. What do we do with those emotions um, so they don't become all-consuming for us? Yeah, that's a good thing. I'll start again with naming it. If you can name it, it really helps when we name it. Now, if I can name, I have this fear. If I name it, then I know what I need to do about it. I believe it's right to communicate our emotion with the person. Uh, Right now, I'm grieving with a friend who just lost her husband a few days ago. I'm grieving with her. I can't be there. But I tell her my grief. I'm crying with you. I wake up in the night and I'm crying with you. Telling her what I feel increases our bond of love and care. So we can tell the person, if at all possible, by telephone or Zoom or Skype, um, I'm, I'm feeling with you. So that person's not so alone. Someday we expect to be together again. But uh, instead of keeping our emotion to ourselves, we can use it in a positive way to let the other person know it's part of our love, that I'm feeling with you, I'm concerned for you. I think so often, at least in our culture, we've been taught to stuff our emotions and, and not share them. Now, if we're naturally an introvert, like I am, we don't necessarily want to tell people what we feel, but it's actually what we need to do. I'm hurting for you. Hmm. I'm hurting with you. Hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm caring for you. Um, suddenly I realize how important you are to me when I know that you're suffering and I don't want to lose you. So the communicating of what we're feeling actually can help us um, strengthen our relationships. Wow, it's a very good word. I I hope that I hope that's helpful as you hear it, Aaron. Because um, instead of let's say doing everything in silence, remotely speaking the word, yeah. I really love the uh, when Jesus uh, was interacting with blind Bartimaeus. My favorite part of that story is Jesus said, "What would you like me to do for you?" Well, wasn't it obvious he's blind? He wants to see. But Jesus asked him to put into words, his own words, what is it you want me to do for you? Hmm. So I think putting things into words, um, there's power in that. And especially telling with our words the yeah. other person. That's it's good. Really, um, a way to bond, to build our bond. That's good. 
Well, Dr. Dodds, it's been so great to learn from you once again. And um, I'm going to put the links to your website and to your books um, in the show notes for this podcast. And um, normally, you know, we normally end the, the podcast in the time of prayer. And so would you just, would you pray for us? And would you go ahead? I would, but could I share one more thing? You sure can. Uh, okay. Uh, because you might want to put this link on too. Uh, as we suddenly, we couldn't do our work, our international work in a pandemic with lockdown. So saying, Lord, what can we do? So the book is one evidence. We started doing those uh, as one by one articles. The other thing the Lord put on our hearts is to create a program of music. Now, people have been dying by the hundreds of thousands often alone. So we thought, what do people need? If I were dying alone, what would I want? Well, I want music that's a prelude to heaven, especially if I think I'm going to die. I want music that comforts me, that refreshes me constantly in the Word of God. So we put together a program that should be totally released this week um, called COVID Comfort Prelude to Heaven. It's about uh-huh. 75 minutes long. All of the people who created it are professional in whatever role there was in it, but they've all done it as a free will offering, as a gift. Wow. So uh, I would love, uh, as soon as it's out, for people to start listening to that for themselves, uh, telling friends who are sick or ill or dying or even those who are grieving. It's just the kind of music. We call it bedside music. Hmm. It's not entertainment music. Yeah. It's bedside music. So you can listen and listen and listen. Those sure. deep, those deep, beautiful classic songs, amazing grace and the deep, deep love of Jesus and scripture passages which comfort people. So that was uh, that's been another outcome of us being in lockdown. For sure. Amazing to see <laughs> your giftings, giftings during this time. During the giftings during this time. Will you and pray for us? I would certainly. Lord Jesus, first of all, we thank you that you are here present. Wherever we are right now, whatever country, whatever situation, I thank you, Lord, that we are not alone, that you are ever-present. You say that you're an ever-present help in times of trouble, and Lord, this is certainly a time of trouble. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be quick and active in each one of our hearts to give us insight and understanding, to instill your wisdom in us, to bathe us in the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you that we're never too far away from you. And if we rise on the wings of the dawn, if we settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide us, your right hand will hold me fast. Thank you, Lord, that you hold us fast, whether we're isolated and alone or whether we're in a crowd. You hold us fast and we hold on to you. We thank you for this, Lord Jesus, and our dear Heavenly Father. Amen. 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 